Let's do good morning. Whoa. Let's stop that. Wow. Good morning. Welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We're disciples of Jesus that build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. And uh, Pastor Aaron, we're going to be talking about today how we do that together as, as a church. And uh, this is, of course, our Back to Church Sunday, which is a pretty exciting time. Uh, we invite uh, get to reconnect with a bunch of folks and again. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you have my slides up there, but they would be really nice for today. But um, as we begin our, uh, our series, of course, we're going to have a, our memory verse. And uh, it's on your connection card, fortunately. Uh, and so you can look at, oh, hey, look, my slides, which will make that a lot nicer. Maybe. All right. So on your connection card uh, is our, our memory verse, which is going to be Hebrews 10.25, and you're going to see pretty readily uh, why it's uh, our memory verse for this series. And so we're going to go through it just a few times, and let's say it together. Here we go. Three, two, one. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Hebrews 10.25. Now, this is going to be one of our passages we're going to kind of exegete just a little bit today. So let's uh, say it together again. Here we go. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Hebrews 10.25. And just to make sure that our minds are awake, let's test ourselves. Here we go. Oh, no. Well, let's not. So, um, yeah, get rid of that. Okay, so what is church? Let's talk about church. Because you came here today, you say, what did I come to, right? And it might seem obvious. You say, well, I'm at church now. Yes, but what are you at? And I think sometimes as we, we read passages like that, we have that study of like uh, Hebrews 10, 25, uh, you know, we had this meeting together. Um, our idea of what church is sometimes may be off. And that is why I think sometimes we neglect the meaning together. We don't focus, so we don't understand exactly what it is. And there's a lot of misunderstanding about that. So we're going to talk about, uh, you know, what it is. Because oftentimes when you have um, wrong expectations, you know, when your expectations aren't met, that's where disappointment is, like your expectations, reality is here, and then you have disappointment. So oftentimes people are disappointed with church because it doesn't live up to what church never was. So it's important for us to really get to what is church? Why are we here? Why does God call us together? And so the first is talk about what church is not. And first is church is not a place. It's not like a, a building. It's not a place that you go to. You don't show up to church. That's, it's just, that's not what it is. I mean, Jesus didn't come to earth. God didn't come to earth to, you know, get real estate. You know, he's not McDonald's, okay? He, he did more than that. So the church is not a building. The church existed before we had buildings. It exists in places that there are no buildings, right? So the church is not a space. It's not a place important for us to get. So when we build the church, we don't build buildings. Sometimes the church builds buildings for use, right? So, for example, you as a family might have a family room, but no one would say, hey, you know, here's my family room. Now you're part of the family. That's not how it works, right? The church building is important space for the church to gather, but it is not the church. Second thing that the church is not is it's not an event. Right? You don't go to uh, a church event. It's not a worship service. Isn't uh, church any more than your family dinner is your family, right? It's something that the church family does. We gather for worship services. We have things. But when we say, hey, come to church with me, we're not saying come just to an event. 
right? That we're so much more than that. I mean, those are things we do, but it's not essentially who we are. Third thing the church is not, is not a social club. Church is not just a group of people getting together to make friends and contacts and to go do good things in the world. Now, certainly, all those things happen in the church, but fundamentally, that the church isn't anything small like that. We're, we're more than just a social club. We're more than a political action committee. We're more than, you know, just agents that go out and go do good works in the community. The church is fundamentally, that's not who we are, although we do a lot of good things. That's what we do. So what is the church? Well, oftentimes when you try to figure out what something is, you get to look what it's made of, right? And so what is the church made of if it's not made of bricks and mortar, if it's not made of an agenda or a, an order of service, or what is the church made of? Well, the church is made of Christians. That's, that's what the church is made out of, 100%. But God builds the church out of Christians. And so uh, the church isn't just Christians, right? Uh, but uh, the church is, is uh, the thing is like, it's made out of Christians, kind of like a bucket of Legos, Right? can just be, they're Legos, they're amazing things, but a bucket of Legos isn't the, the pirate ship that you bought out of Legos, right? right? The church is, is more than just what it's made from, and it's made from Christians, but it's specifically made out of Christians, which is important for us to get, because oftentimes people think that the church is maybe a denomination, which may be of people that are Christians and some maybe who haven't come to faith in Jesus yet right? That it's, a, it's an organizational structure. It's more than that. So it's made of Christians, so we have to ask them, what are Christians, right? And I would say, Christians are people saved by God's grace through faith. In Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, by the way, that's fundamentally what Christians are. That's what makes us Christians. And we see that Christians are, uh, we have this identity, right? We are identified with Christ, that's we follow him. You can't be a, just saved by grace through faith in anything, right? Your potato salad may be delicious, but it's not going to save your soul, right? We have to be Christians. We follow Christ, right? That's the first thing. We are saved, which means that we had to be saved from something, which means that Christians didn't start out all so great, right? We're all sinners. We all broke God's rules. We all were separated from him. We all have character flaws. We have a sin nature within us, but we didn't stay in that, that we've been saved. We allowed God to come and to rescue us from what we deserved, right? So we weren't, we didn't earn our salvation. We were rescued from our peril, by how? Well, by God's grace. The Christians are those who have appealed to God to save them, not their good works. They're not people who've, who've said, you know, I'm going to do all these great things, and because of that, then God will owe me a certain amount of time in eternity, right? We've been saved because God is a good God, and he's given us terms for he, in his love, and he said, I will save you, right? We've been saved by God because God loves us. And how do we attain that? Through faith. Christians are people of faith. We didn't earn God's salvation. We didn't do good things. We didn't merit it on our own. It wasn't as though that, you know, Aaron Dorman was so much better than somebody else. And so God says, I choose Aaron, right? Is that God is a good God. <laughs> and, and by faith, I've accepted him. I've appealed to him. I've, I've accepted by faith, which means I trusted what I haven't seen yet, that, that God's going to do what God said he's going to do. Now, it's not a blind faith. Jesus, I mean, God showed up on the earth, put on flesh. That's pretty good evidence. 
You're right. So he died, he rose again publicly, right? Changed all of history. The scriptures are well attested to be very, very true. They have all kinds of evidences in there that we can trust it. But by faith, I still have to trust this, right? That God loves me, that Jesus came to this earth to die for my sins, and that I trust that. And so I've been saved by faith and uh, through my faith. And that faith is expressed. The Bible talks about it in many ways, I believe, right? And that's an ongoing expression. It's not just something I have like a one moment, just a flash in the pan, like, oh, I believe, and then tomorrow I don't. Like, in the Word of God, it means that I, I continue to trust God. I continue to believe this even when I have doubts. I'm going to continue to press in and say, yes, God, I trust that by faith that you've saved me, that you love me, that you're doing something in me, right? I express my faith in my repentance, which means that it's not just like one moment that I said, well, I'm going to turn away from the sin, and then I never turn back from it because I don't know anybody like that. I continue to turn towards God and continue to replace my ways with His and continue to let Him rewrite His law on my heart, right? I continue to trust Him in obedience and to grow in that, not just once, but as continued expression of faith. So every single day, as I wake up and I read Scripture and I pray over it and I apply it to my life and God tells me to do things that I wouldn't do on my own, like not tailgate that really slow, annoying person that stops for every single elk, right? When I don't do that, repentance, right? An expression of faith. Why do I do that? Because God has saved me, right? I express my faith through my confession. That's identifying with Jesus. I'm on team Jesus now, right? I'm his child. So every single time that I have the audacity to go before his throne in prayer, I'm identifying with Christ because I don't stare in there with my own merit. I mean, who am I to talk to the almighty God? But thanks be to Christ, by faith, I can talk to God. Every time I confess my sins and I, and I receive his forgiveness, I'm identifying with Jesus that he died for me and so that, that I didn't have to. That's a confession of faith. Every single time where I get to, to explain to somebody that I, I stand with Jesus, I get to give the hope and share the hope that I have inside, expression of faith. I don't do that because I just want to. It's, it's, it's because I trust that I actually have been saved by God's grace. Through my faith, that's an expression of my faith, it's my confession, and that's not just a one-time event, that's my entire life, praise God that I can confess my faith and my belief, confession, repentance, all the way through. That I also have baptism, luckily I don't have to do that every day, because that was weird, but it was wonderful, and it was an expression of faith where I trusted that God was, was saving me, and I died to my sin, and I was raised into a new life, right, into a new family, and that was an amazing expression of faith. And not only that, but my discipleship, as I continue to learn to obey Christ in every part of my life, do you know that that's an expression of faith? All of those things are, are amazing. None of those things save me, by the way. I'm saved by God's grace, but I express my faith in all those things, what the Bible tells me to do. That's what Christians do. So the church is made of people who are broken, who in spite of Clinging to their brokenness and their old identity as a sinner, they say, give me a new identity, God, by faith. And I receive that, that forgiveness in Christ, and so we become a fundamentally new kind of human. You know, the Bible talks about this in Ephesians 2. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. The church is a miracle. The church is not something that humans could make on their own. We have to understand that fundamentally because Christians can't, can't save themselves. We're saved by God's grace. 
That the church is a miracle on earth. It is the evidence of God's love in this world. And it's the only institution on earth that people couldn't make. Because this is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. And so as a church, as this new, fundamentally made of different people who, who have been transformed, uh, the, the, the Christians are called some amazing things. In Scripture, one of the things that we are called as Christians is that we're, we're Christ's kingdom. All the way through, I mean, we have this idea that, that Jesus came and, and he didn't just say, all right, I'm going to save you to continue to live according to the ways of the world. He, 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 he came and he preached the good news of God's kingdom. <laughs> and what does it mean to be part of a kingdom? I mean, we have a new kind of government. We, we are governed in a much better way. The, uh, the, the election in my soul has been won by King Jesus now and forever, and he's not corrupt He is the opposite of it. He always does what is right. He always does what is good. And he actually rules. His law begins to rule my life. I have a different kind of culture now, right? Now, I don't live the way the rest of this world does. I'm I'm supposed to be like a foreigner. Like this world's, the longer I walk with Christ, the more this world feels like a shoe that doesn't fit, right? It's just not quite there. This is not my culture. This is not the governance of, of the real identity that I have now. I'm part of God's kingdom. And so I live a different way. I have a little bit of an accent, one that speaks with a, a twang of grace and of kindness and of forgiveness and of charity and of honesty and of love. We live different than people of this world. Our culture is different because we have a different king. And we get to be part of that citizens of God's kingdom. And we look forward to the day when we actually get to have God's kingdom. <laughs> we'll come actually here, which is pretty awesome. And we'll finally be home. So we're part of Christ's kingdom. And in Philippians 3, it says, But our citizenship is not, or is in heaven, and we eagerly await Christ's return from, uh, from there, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, think about how amazing that is. That how many times throughout Scripture that, that says that we actually have an identity, a space, like our passport has been, is, is been made, right? And so we identify together, even Christians throughout all kinds of different denominations, all kinds of different ethnicities, all kinds of different things, right? We have a commonality because we have the same Lord, we have the same rule in our hearts and lives, we have the same culture of Christ. So Christians are God's kingdom, and we get to be on this earth as ambassadors to be able to talk to others and say, you know what, this is a kingdom you can, you can immigrate to. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. The Christians are part of God's kingdom. But not just that. Kingdoms are great. Being part of a nation is great. But God brings us even closer. He didn't have to. I mean, it was enough for God to just not make us slaves, which in Scripture it says we're also his slaves, right? But not just those. We, we obey him. But it says he's given us citizenship with all the rights there too. But then he goes a step further, and, he, and then we says in Scripture that we're Christ's family, that, that we've, we've got more than just our government in common. We're not just a nationally kind of like a, you know, uh, this group of people that have you know, some things in common, like a culture and a leader. We actually have a family. We have a bonds of love. In 1 John 3, uh, we read, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God? And that is what we are? Do you get that? How amazing this is that God loves us, 
that Christians are deeply loved people that God has called together as part of his family. He said, hey, wait, I, I want you to not be an orphan anymore. You're going to be born again and not just born again into slavery. You have a Christian family. That's why in Scripture, more than any other way that, that Christians are, are talked about in Scripture is, by, is using family language, brothers and sisters. We, we even pray to God. We say, Heavenly Father. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. It says in Scripture that we have been adopted into to God's own household, which means that you're not God's pet, which blows my mind that He loves us and has elevated to a significant place in His own heart and His kingdom. And God's kingdom is more than just Christians, by the way. There's angels and all kinds of other cool things there. But we've been elevated to be part of His own family. Amazing. So Christians have this uh, closeness, but then God even brings it even closer in Scripture, a, a deeper identity. He actually called the body of Christ. You saw Caleb even uh, read about that this morning in Scripture. And that's not the only place. Several places in Scripture, Christians are described as the body of Christ. That we're all not the whole body, we're all part of that body, right? So some of us are eyeballs, and some of us are noses, and no one's an ingrown toenail, right? We're all part of the body, we have something valuable to bring, right? And I think this is significant because God couldn't, couldn't bring a closer identity with us right, than his own body. Think how much God loves us. Right? We're, we're like this, the family, and even in the family, it says that we're the bride of Christ, you know, make us a, a home for Jesus, make like this amazing thing here. But, but even closer than that, he says, you know, I'm going to accept you and identify you as my own body. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about this too. It says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. That God crafted you, made you. You're not, uh, you weren't just, you know, willy-nilly kind of just thrown up, you know, together. Like, he has a place for you, and he identifies with you intimately. And so what do bodies do? Well, they carry out the direction of the head, right? The, your brain tells your body what to do, and your body kind of does it. Things go well, right? And that's what the church does. Christ is ahead, and we go and carry out his good work. And so then that leads us into what is the church. If uh, Christians are, you know, this, this kingdom of God, if we're uh, the family of God, if we're the body of Christ, then, uh, you know, if Christians are all those things, then what is the church? Well, the church is, is it's the assembly of the body. It's when the body comes together, right? The church Christians are the assembly of the body, in fact, the word church in Scripture, right, it, it was a different language. It was written in Greek, ekklesia, right, which means assembly, when they come together, right? Uh, in the, the Hebrew, it was synagogue, which meant assembly, coming together. The church is the assembly of Christians. In Scripture, in the New Testament, the, the word uh, ecclesia is, is in the New Testament 117 times, okay? 22 of those times is talking about the universal body, right? 22 out of 117 talks about the universal church, like the assembly of believers throughout all time that God has gathered us in spirit, right? But that means that 87 of those times is talking about a local body where people actually physically get together, 87, <laughs> that that God really is focused on Christians assembling physically in physical space locally to get together. And how do they assemble? Well, it matters. 
It's kind of like when you buy one of those boxes of Legos. If you've ever done that, they'll have instructions, which Americans never follow. But if you were in Germany, right, you'd put it together, and these are the pieces that come together so that way you can build the thing that the, the designer crafted. And God puts the church together. In fact, there are only two institutions in all the Scripture where God says, here's how I want this institution to be crafted. And the first one is family. He gives orders, like there's, there's fathers and mothers, there's husbands and wives, there's parents and children. And he gives us order of structure to how the family is to be put together, right? Which is why, Christians, we don't try to redefine family or marriage or any of those other things. God has designed that. He said, this is, this is what I want to do. And the other thing that God has said, not just family, but the other one is church. Everything else, God says, it's kind of up to you. We can make government however we want. We can make clubs however we want. We can, do all, we can organize all kinds of other institutions. But family and church are the two that God said, this is how I want it structured. And why did he do that? Because both of those represent him. So how the church is, the church, uh, the family represents Christ. And we see in Ephesians 5 that that design was, was there to, to emulate the beautiful relationship between Christ and, and his church. And the family represents uh, the God, or the, the, the church represents God. We are his body. We are his bride. Right? We are his nation. And so God cares how we are put together. So how does God assemble Christians? What makes us a church? It's not just that Christians gather and all of a sudden we're a church any more than you take a bunch of Legos and put them in a bucket and they're the thing that they're supposed to No, It's how we're assembled. And so the church is assembled in in a pretty specific way, and it has been from the beginning because this is how God made it. You're going to have pastors and elders, you have leaders, overseers, right? Some churches divvy those up into different roles. Some churches like ours, which is smaller, we all kind of have our pastors, elders do all three of those roles as overseers as well. You have the body of, of faith that comes together, that gathers and does the work of God, and then as needed, you have deacons and deaconesses that help kind of holy project manage, right? Make sure things get done. That's the design that God gave us. So churches are structured according to God's design, right? Which means that, uh, that the church is, uh, the organized religion was God's plan, right? He, he doesn't want the church just to be disorganized. It's a bunch of Christians running around willy-nilly, not doing anything, right? He wanted us to assemble. And why? Because the beauty in the assembly is how well it functions. Just think about if God just took your body parts, your organs, and just like shook them all around in your mother's womb, like, and you came out however you wanted to come out with the body function. You'd have like a spleen sticking out of your head, you know, you have your liver there by where your foot should be. It wouldn't work. You might have all the parts, but if it's not assembled correctly, it doesn't work well. Right? God is an orderly God, and there's a system to the way that he does things, and he structured the church in such a way for it to work well. Like it says, that we're the body of Christ, each one of you is a part of it, that every one of us has a thing to do, but we have to be put and, and allow God to put us in the exact place that we're supposed to be so we can function and do what he's supposed to do. The same thing is, think about a nation. You just have a nation, but they're just kind of not put together in any particular way. The country falls apart, Right? Or a family that never gathers, that doesn't have any order, any structure. Parents act like babies, and kids are supposed to act like parents. Or do I mean, it would, it would be run amok. But there's an order and a structure to things. But it's not just that there's an order and a structure. You can't have that structure unless we're connected, unless we assemble. We have to let God assemble us. We have to get together, right? If you have a nation where there's, they never assemble, they're never together, you really don't have a nation. You just have a bunch of people wandering around. 
If, if you have a family that never gathers together, do you really have a family? Is there any bonds of love or connection? Or think about your own body. If, if your parts of your body were all just disconnected, you wouldn't be very vivacious. You wouldn't be very effective. See, this is why it's important. Yes, Christians are the body of Christ. Christians are the nation of God. We're the kingdom of God. We're the family of faith. But if we're, if we're not assembled, we're not effective. And this world needs the kingdom of God. It needs the family of God. It needs, it needs the body of Christ to do good work. And that's why I think the devil has done such a great job, great job messaging why the organized church is so bad and why you shouldn't be part of a church and that you can be a Lone Ranger Christian just fine because it makes the church ineffective. It doesn't mean that you stop being God's loved, beloved person. It doesn't mean that you're stopped being saved by his grace through faith. It doesn't mean that you hasn't crafted you for great things. It just means that you're not going to be able to do those great things because you haven't been assembled together. You're not fulfilling the role that he designed you to fulfill. You're not going to be able to, to be fully alive. And the church is not going to be able to, the kingdom of God is not going to be effective at resisting the kingdom of darkness because we've been disconnected. This is why the assembly is so essential, right? The work of God is, is being done here. And that brings us then to our, our study today from Ephesians or Hebrews 10. So if you have your Bible, turn it to Hebrews 10. Because I want you to see in here what, what, what he's saying, right? And in Hebrews 10, the book of Hebrews was written to the church especially the Hebrew believers, at a time of enormous and, and horrible persecution, right? As, uh, in fact, that's why the book doesn't have, like an author doesn't write as who the author is. He doesn't give the name of the recipients other than the, the, those who are uh, gathered, right? the Hebrew believers, which is where we get the name of this. Why? Because of the persecution, that if the author had his name on there, the Romans would come and light him on fire. It was a time in which gathering together as Christians assembling was very, very dangerous. Right? It was, it was going to cost you and maybe your family their lives. There's a chance, a very good chance, you would be tortured and tormented to death. So you would give up who the other Christians were. It was a time of great peril. The assembly was dangerous. And so the book of Hebrews is written to these Christians, these Hebrew believers who were not only rejected in their culture because they were Christians, but also because they were also Hebrew. And so they accepted the Messiah, which meant that those that were in the, the, the mainstream Jewish faith who didn't accept that were also persecuting them. They lost their entire communities and all of this. And it would be really easy for those Hebrew Christians, they had a double persecution, for them to just walk away from Jesus and say, well, that's, it's not worth it. And so, through the Holy Spirit, God has this book written and talks about how great Jesus is and why he is worth it. How he's better than the angels, he's better than the high priests, he's better than the law, better than all of these things. And near the end of the book, as it talks about how important it is that the church continues in its faith and its faithfulness. I mean, right before you get to that chapter that talks about the heroes of the faith, right before that, we read this passage there at 10.25 which may or may not sound familiar, depending on how well you were listening earlier. It says, let's consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some people are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, 
and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, it's even in the face of death, of peril, of torture, when it was terribly dangerous in order to assemble, God says, one, Christ is worth it, so do it, because it's so essential the body gathers. I mean, it tells us how high of a priority God places on the assembly. He designed us for a reason. He put us together for a reason. If you are saved, you need to be connected to the body. That's what we are called to do. And I know it seems like a small thing for us. You know, you're like, well, what does it matter if I show up on Sunday? You have no idea what God is, is calling you to do. And it's not just showing up on Sunday, by the way. That's first, we assemble, but then we work together as the body. But you can't work together a body if you never come. So the scriptures plead with this, let us not neglect our meeting together. Don't do it. And I like the word neglect. It's not like these people are walking away from the faith. They're not neglecting Jesus. They're neglecting the assembly. They're neglecting being put together so they can be the church. And that shows us Something I think is we see the hand of the devil, his strategy of how to dismantle faith. You know that we are the first post-Christian generation in American history? I mean, for like thousands of years, we've never, what happened? Well, didn't the devil do a really good job of dividing up the church? Isn't that amazing how Jesus, his prayer before the church, the only thing he's prayed specifically for us is that we would be unified, that we would stay together? And how quickly we've become a body disconnected. The world is falling apart, isn't it? And not any one of us is going to be able to go and have a crusade. It's why we can't just be a political action committee. We need to be the kingdom of God. We need to connect. We need to come together. We need to have this identity, this family, this support, this love. We have to be able to be drawn together, have God assemble us, put us together so that we can do the work of God as Christ's body on earth. We cannot do that while we're not connected. So congratulations, you're here. <laughs> You've assembled. So what is the church you are? We are as we've come. As we become this body uh, structured the way that God has called us to. And what does the church do? Well, it does some amazing things. Right? We, we change the world. So we say, why is then is the church so essential? Well, because a kingdom that's separated is, is not effective. And the enemy has run amok. And the kingdom of darkness has ruled our world for too long. And it is time for the kingdom of God to come back together, to assemble so that we can resist this darkness and see the world made right again. Why is the church so assemble, important to assemble? Because, because there are too many who have been raised as orphans, Christians who have not had a home, who have grown up amongst the wily wolves out there, and they act savage in their faith. They need a family to be loved in, to learn the different ways of being cultured, to have that, those terms of affection, to have the opportunity to love and to forgive and to, to care for one another. Why is the church so essential? Because the body of Christ is needed to carry out the ministry of Christ in this world. There are a lot of broken people. There are a lot of lost people. And God has called us as his body to go and to serve and to care and to love and to, to be able to bring his goodness to this world. We have to come together. The world needs Christ's body. So here's a cool thing. We belong together. You're here because you belong. 
God crafted you, every single one of you. It's, it's, not, it's not even at all a question in Scripture. You individually have been crafted by God specifically to do something amazing as part of His kingdom, as part of His family, and as part of His body. He made you for that. You're not here by accident. The time, the space, the area of your life have led you to this. Now, you have to allow yourselves to be assembled. We have to come together. We belong together. And the amazing thing is that when we come together the way that God has designed us to, we become something more beautiful, more incredible, more powerful, more amazing than we ever could be on our own. So I talk about Legos. I tried to get a picture of something my son made when, when he was like seven years old. I'm still proud of him over this because it was the only time we've ever followed the instructions on a Lego box. <laughs> right? And so it was a Star Wars uh, like fighter thing, right? It took forever. And when we first got the thing, it was on Christmas, right? We opened up all the packages and, and like fools, like darned fools, we opened all the packages up and then spread them on the table. And it was this big old mess. Yeah, don't ever do that. They're in the packages for a reason. So painstakingly, he followed the instructions and put things together and then realized, you know, like halfway through, he missed like the second step and had a deep thing that put everything back together and made the coolest little jet, right? Little fighter from Star Wars. It was so cool. And... Any one of those pieces by their own just kind of looks normal. You know, you see all these Lego pieces, but together they were amazing. And God has crafted you, and you have a space in his kingdom, and if you allow him to assemble you, if you allow him to assemble us, we become the very beautiful thing, the powerful thing, the good thing, that's so much more than we could ever be on our own, that the world will take notice. Uh, They will see the beauty, and they will give glory to God in heaven. So... You belong here. Next week, we're going to talk about how actually we're better together. It's not just that you come to church and suffer. Like There's actually some really great ways of how God improves us and the world by, by allowing him to connect us. But this week, I think just to focus on the reality that you belong, that you are wanted and that you have a, you have a place here and that God designed you for this and you're going to fit. So how do you take that to the next step? Well, here's some ways that you can put this this truths into action in your life. The first one is, why don't you memorize Hebrews 10 25? Why? The word of God helps us. The devil has done a lot of good work over time convincing us that church is this event that I can go to or not, or it's this building that I can show up at or not, but who cares about a building, right? The the church is is maybe just this social club that I may or may not like the people, but I don't know, whatever, right? So if I'm not into what they're up to, then then I'm not going to connect. No, the church is the assembly of God's people. And to remember how important it is helps us to answer and to rebuke the enemy when he tries to, to, to split us apart. So take some time and memorize this. This passage has helped me and Amy many, many times Oh, as we've grown in our faith, I encourage you to take some time to, to, uh, to memorize that. As you do, why don't you read Hebrews? I preached on it a little bit today, just one little portion of it. Read it in context and see why it's so important that we continue to meet together, that we don't neglect the body. Get the whole argument in there. See what God is saying about even at the risk of death, even at the risk of, of, of persecution, why Christ is so worthy. Remind yourselves of these truths so that we can live out our faith together. The third thing you might want to commit to this week is to assemble. I mean, you're here now, which is great. Continue to assemble. Continue to be part of the body. Say, I am going to connect. That is my commitment. Does that mean you always have perfect attendance? That's not the point. 
to say, you know what, I'm going to be part of the church. I'm going to be here. I'm going to assemble with the body. We're going to learn how to, to find our place. And sometimes it's like my son. You, we put you together and then we realize, oh no, a couple steps back. We, you should actually be here. That takes some time. But to say, oh, I'm going to be here. I'm going to let God connect me to his family the way that he designed me to be. To make that commitment. A way you can do that that helps is maybe join a life group. Well, we have some that are starting up here um, in, in this, like this week even, in the next couple of weeks, we've got some groups going. And, and if you want to be part of a life group, it's a great way to get to know other Christians. And you know what we really need in life groups? We need homes. Like if you have a house that we can meet in, that's one of, we have like a waiting list on some of them because we just don't have a place. So if you're willing to open up your home once a week to have Christians to come together and to assemble, that would be awesome too. Let me know that or, or Pastor Jesse. Something else you may want to do and to assemble is to join the membership class. Um, I've got one coming up, I think, in uh, November, but I could, I'll do one before then if I have, you know, three or four people at least uh, who would like to. So if you'd like to take our membership class, learn how to connect in this family, uh, officially help us to we can go through what we believe and, and all of those types of things, our strategies and all of that, and, and for me to get to know you, that's a great way to do it. So if you're interested in that, let me know, and then we'll reach out to you this week. And if I got enough, I'll do an earlier membership class. If not, of course, we do that uh, I might just do one privately for you so let me know and of course if you're here this morning and uh, you're not a follower of Jesus you can't be part of the church you can you can come to a church meeting but you can't be assembled that as part of the church because the church is made of Christians that are assembled but you know God loves you and he you can have this new identity. You too can be saved by God's grace through faith that no one is here because they were so good, right? Every one of us was unworthy, but every one of us was also loved by God. And Jesus came to this earth. He died on a cross to pay for the penalty for all of our sins. And that may not make any sense to why he did that. The amazing thing from it is as you walk in Christ, it makes a whole lot more sense as you grow in him. But at first, it just lets you know how much he loves you. He cares for you. And you can be saved, but it's going to be by God's grace. And so if you haven't expressed your faith in that yet, if you have belief in confession, repentance, baptism, or discipleship, take that step. Become a Christian so you can be assembled into God's beautiful body, his, his bride, his, be part of his kingdom. If you want to have to make that decision, too, this is what I want you to do. You can mark that in your connection card, but also come talk with me so I can help you take those steps so we can help you assemble and become part of the church. All right, so hopefully there's something for you to do. Also on your, prayer, your connection card, there's a place to write your prayers because we pray for you every single week. And God answers prayers. He does amazing things. So if you let us know how to pray, uh, it certainly helps me know exactly what to pray more specifically for you. So please write those down in just a moment. We're going to have our ushers are going to come and they're going to collect those connection cards. So I'd ask everyone to take your connection card uh, and drop in the offering basket along with your gifts and your tithes. Make that uh, an expression of your faith in Christ uh, you begin this week. Let me pray for you as you make those commitments. Heavenly Father, you're a good God, and you are, uh, you're one who's done amazing things, that you are not a haphazard, deistic kind of, of creator who just abandons your people, but you are a creator who crafted us perfectly and have designed all of history, even our own lives, to make us the people perfectly suited to fit together in your kingdom be part of your family, to be assembled in your church. Father, help us to assemble in a way that honors you according to your design so that we can fulfill the good work and the, and the great things that you have called us to do. Let us be a mark of beauty in Estes Park that has an impact of showing love and compassion and kindness and goodness and hope 
for those who live in this community. So, Father, I pray that our faith will be built today for those who've made commitments today. Help us to keep those this week in a way that draws us closer to you in our obedience. Father, for all of those who may be struggling this week, I pray that you would lift them up and help the body of Christ come and encourage. Lord, in all of these things, we pray that you would be glorified because you are good. You are so good. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus.